Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. We're back for another episode with Amy Shioji from USA Today to talk about this time um, how they're measuring uh, customer experience. And in particular, we'd love to hear, Amy, about uh, the tools you're using to collect feedback and how you're using that feedback to make improvements uh, to the design of products, features, and services. Sure. Um, so we use um, customer satisfaction as our key uh, beacon metric due to its correlation to subscriber retention. And it is um, fielded as sort of a relationship survey two times a year. Got it. And so how did you, you, you in our conversation last week, we talked about uh, the, the great data scientist uh, sub team you have within your CX team. How did you sort of arrive at that understanding that uh, customer satisfaction was a good predictor uh, of loyalty. Sure. So um, we kind of evolved to customer satisfaction. Um, we had been using Net Promoter Score for years, um, mm-hmm. likely just sort of as a benchmark around customer loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we started up the the CX function, we wanted to really validate and anchor ourselves in what that key metric was going to be. So um, I da- did ask the data science team to do some analysis. They did some regression analysis and. Um, what they found was looking at, you know, the responses to those particular questions on our satisfaction and um, an NPS survey and uh, looking at then their behavior, their, their retention behavior um, after, they found that satisfaction more closely correlated to retention than that promoter score did. And we not only looked just at retention, but at overall sort of the revenue and engagement picture of um, satisfied subscribers in terms of, you know, share of wallets, engagement, product usage, and in all cases, um, satisfaction just more closely correlates with the behavior that we're looking to influence of our subscribers than NPS did. And, um, you know, one of the things that we validated in doing this was we revised the survey um, to sort of asking the open-ended questions of why, right, which I think Mm -hmm. is really when you are asking mm. NPS. And what we found was um, when we revised the survey and started asking why people gave us the score that they did for particularly for things like net promoter score, we found that our audience would interpret the question quite literally. So they would say, you know, I can't recommend the Arizona Republic because, you know, my family doesn't live in Arizona or, you know, my, <laughs> my neighbor, my, right. Or like my neighbor already gets the paper. Right. Right. So it, it became sort of less in their minds, a, a brand evangelist, a loyalty thing, a marker and more of like, and that could be a function of our demographic too. But, but I mean, they, they were just very literal in terms of that question. And so no surprise for us. As opposed to liking it enough. That that's exactly right. Use it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so we do use satisfaction, and that's how we arrived at that, both in terms of asking those questions of our customers, but also in doing some of the deeper analysis to look at the correlation between that response to that question and some of the behavior that we look to influence in terms of engagement and usage and retention and revenue and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. great. I, and I love the, the, the I could just picture people saying, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, commit a social faux pas by recommending they subscribe to a paper that I see show up on their doorstep every morning. Like I'm not an idiot. Uh, so I cannot recommend mm-hmm. it to my, my neighbors here. Uh, that's great. I like the literal, uh, interpretation of the, the, the why question there. Um, so you've got satisfaction is a better predictor of the outcomes you want. And so clearly that's definitely a better metric to use than net promoter score in this instance. Um, are you, 
I guess I'll put this this way. Are you satisfied with satisfaction? Are you are you uh, looking for better metrics? How do you sort of make sure that you've got the the right equation here? Are you are you sort of casting about for other ways of of measuring the customer experience? Sure. So we are we talk about this all the time, and I think for now, because again, satisfaction is showing sort of a positive uh, correlation with so many of the other sort of um, attributes that we look at. You know, I think it does a pretty good job uh, as being a big indicator for us. That said, I think we're always kind of looking for other metrics. So what we have done is that since serving satisfaction is, you know, in most cases for a lot of people, it's annual. We do it two times a year. But we wanted to have some key and leading indicators to really help us gauge the impact of our experience improvements on an ongoing basis. So we started with um, what I'll call sort of transactional satisfaction. So we um, introduced satisfaction that was tied to key experiences for our business, like um, if a customer interacted with customer service or after using our website or mobile app, we had some, you know, post um engagement surveys. And so we set this sort of transactional satisfaction goal for each of those interactions. And we were tracking those monthly and kind of assigned those to the the various business units. Um, But internally, I would say people started to get very confused about sort of which satisfaction metric we were describing, right? Because we had this layer cake of overall relationship satisfaction informed by, you know, key moments of transactional satisfaction. And so it just kind of became confusing for people. Um, It wasn't particularly clear or intuitive. So um, more recently, and this is a function of our voice of the customer text analytics platform partner, ClaraBridge, we are now using um, customer effort. So this is um, an attribute that's now available in this platform. And what we've done is sort of score and apply this customer effort methodology to all customer interactions that we have um, in our both historical and new in our data set. And it really gave us sort of this baseline for just very simply how easy or difficult is it to interact with our brands across many different interaction points. Um, And so what we have started to do is sort of set a quarterly goal to improve overall customer effort um, focused on those particular interactions or channels that cause the most pain. And and we found even initially that this has been a lot easier for folks to kind of get their heads around because they can more clearly see their direct role in making it just simply less hard to do business with us in a channel or an interaction that they own. So, you know, that is a metric that I, I don't think will be sort of our ultimate beacon metric. Um, but certainly, um, when we look at our sort of overall measurement architecture, we have, you know, your your overall relationship satisfaction and experience drivers. We have things like these leading indicators like customer effort and, and some other metrics like um, that are proxies for that, like first call resolution or average handle time or um, our app ratings. And then we have operational metrics that sort of serve as a way to measure against the customer promise. Um, and we also track sentiment. So that's kind of how our, our dashboards and our, our overall measurement scorecard looks. That's really interesting. I, I, I'm curious by one thing you just alluded to there, the sort of operational metrics that connect to the customer promises. Can you talk a little bit more about that, uh, those metrics or, or how you're sort of, how they're sort of proxies for measuring your, the promises you've made to customers? Sure. Yeah. So we, um, 
a couple of years ago, created our customer promise, and that was done uh, through co-creation with consumers as well as with employees. And it was actually an interesting exercise. We did um, a metaphor elicitation exercise where we had um, engage with us on our website or with our print product or with customer service, um, some of the main ways in which they interact with us today and that are big drivers of overall satisfaction. And we asked them to choose... Um, an image that best represented that experience. And we saw some really interesting representations that spoke to not just the experience, but really the the emotion that it elicits. Yeah. And so in doing all that, we came out with our customer promise, which um, is that we're committed to empowering communities through unique, trusted, and reliable um, news and information. Mm. And so what we've then done is say, okay, well, if we take some of those attributes, like I'll just use two as an example, reliable and trusted, what does that translate to? So this isn't just a credo on a wall, but what does that translate to in terms of the behaviors and the metrics that um, all employees can really help inform across the business? And so for us, we've translated reliable, for example, in um, a number of different ways. So, you know, for, for product, it might mean we're looking at things like page load speed or, you know, mm-hmm app crash frequency percentages, things like that. We look at, you know, trusted in terms of, you know, our brand equity score, the number of times people share our content on social media. We look at things like our overall comm score rating for our news and information network. Um, So we've, we've done a lot to kind of create this, but then translate that. And so that is one of the ways or some of the metrics that we also look at um, across the business to sort of say, how are we standing up to not overall satisfaction, but particularly in the things that, you know, um, matter to customers and, and the commitments that we've made to customers in terms of what our brand experience should feel like. That's great. First, I, I love, love that. that practice of using um, sort of the the visual images to understand how people perceive a company or a brand or a service. That's a, a research method that can also be used, such as collaging, right? And it really does help you get at how do people perceive or want to perceive what it is that you provide um, in a way that they might not be able to otherwise articulate. I'll also say the the matter of privacy and trust and linking metrics, that was great to hear. Yeah. Because um, with my you know user experience and design hat on, um, you know, we do look at things like um, trust. And often people say, well, you know, is our brand trustworthy? But then there's also, is our experience trustworthy? Mm-hmm. You know, and if the site doesn't load, I'm kind of like, eh, well, what, like what's happening at the back end here? What is the, co- what's the company doing? You know, if they don't have great technology. Do I trust them to provide me with the, the best information? Um, so that's great that you translated it in sort of all of those different metrics with all the different meanings that they can have. The big thing for us is not having, you know, too many metrics that kind of pull people in a lot of different directions. And so that continues to be the way that we look to prune this and kind of say, you know, what are the key metrics that are certainly satisfaction, but since that's at a relationship level, we kind of manage that. But then, you know, whether it's customer effort or some of these customer promise translations, you know, are those the things that people on, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis should really be sort of anchoring to across the groups? And so we're still refining this, this sort of um, layer cake of, of metrics, but we're trying to get at sort of a, a comprehensive view of the health of our, our brand experience um, through a lot of different ways. We were also going to ask you about uh, how you're collecting customer feedback. And, and the first question there was, which platform you're using, which you already answered, talking, you alluded to, to ClaraBridge, uh, helping you implement customer effort score. Um, how else are you using that platform? Um, are you doing it, you know, using any text analytics features or anything like that uh, as part of your voice of customer reviews? 
Yes, yes. So that's primarily how we do use them. Um, the customer effort is a new a new feature. It's fairly new this year um, within ClaireBridge, which has been great. But we've primarily been using them as a text analytics platform. So um, we ingest a variety of data sources into that platform, um, and these are all sources that are largely tied to, again, those key moments of truth or experiences that most impact satisfaction of our subscribers. So we have things like customer service transcripts. We have mobile app reviews from, again, the iOS and Android store. We have site satisfaction surveys, uh, email feedback, all kinds of things that we have incorporated into the platform. Yeah, that's great. And um, any sort of... any examples or specific stand out to you about how, you know, reviewing the feedback you're getting there, that how has that helped you, you know, I don't know, identify key issues or, or, or ideas even for, for new products or new services? Yeah. So I think one of the, um, the most notable for us was that we had, um, as I'm sure, as we're all consumers of, of sites and particularly media sites, um, you know, Consumers would often cite that they found our websites to be particularly difficult in terms of the ad experience and sort of ad intrusion, you know, getting in the way of them being able to read our content. Um, we used all of that feedback to kind of help validate a business model for creating a new paid ad-free product um, for USA Today. Mm. And so that has launched. Um, and what we found is that customers that have purchased this ad-free product, they're coming back 20% more often per month. Um, they're oh, wow. generating, you know, 20 to 30% more page views per session on smartphones and up to 50% more on tablets. So they're engaging more, they're coming back more frequently. And as a result of that, um, you know, the, the average net revenue per user um, is, is three times higher than our standard, um, you know, through this, you know, ad-supported ad mobile app. So it's, it's been really successful for us in terms of being able to translate those insights into something that's really tangible to help sort of not only improve the experience of our consumers, but, but also help drive, you know, engagement and revenue for the business. And so that's kind of one of the, the more recent examples that we point to as um, what was helpful. And, you know, I think while we always kind of assumed that We'd heard, you know, of course, and we've experienced this ourselves on many sites that, you know, the ads can be somewhat bothersome. Um, I think it was really helpful for us to be able to kind of ground that in metrics that came out of the VOC, right? So we were able to not only show the volume across all of our networks and properties and say, here's the volume of people that are talking about this issue. But, you know, what's great about um, ClareBridge or any of these voice of the customer platforms is they also often, you know, they use NLP to assign sentiment. So we could also start to look at, you know, just how uh, negative the perception was uh, or how intrusive it was. And I think that that was kind of the missing piece that um, was really helpful in terms of it sort of being real for people internally who are making these business decisions about how we might develop this product to understand just how much it actually impacts not only their engagement, but their but their view of, um, of our products and services. I think that's really interesting, right? The fact that natural language processing can get you to a sense of, okay, it's not just negative, it's extremely negative or they're, you know, the passion here, the, the right. words that they're using. Person. Right. Right. I also love the idea that, um, I mean, I think anyone is going to complain about ads, you know, on a media site, but the, but the fact that it's borne out that they're willing to actually, they actually are paying for, you know, this ad free, uh, product that you have to pay for, I think is, is, is really interesting because I think there's plenty of evidence I've seen in other instances where, you know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll pay if to avoid ads. And then it's, you know, crickets on those products because pe people, there's a, there's a lot of expectation of ad supported 
uh, online services, right? So um, I, I think it's great to, to see that validation that they're willing to pay um, for, for that service, not just say they're willing to pay. Any other uh, examples or anything else that stands out about how you're um, using the data from your voice of customer platform or how you're sharing it with colleagues? So first, I would say we create, and I kind of alluded to this um, before, but we create a lot of custom dashboards for the teams um, from that data coming out of the voice of the customer. So I mentioned that we work really closely with product. Um, We do create, again, really custom dashboards for them based on the platform with which our consumers are engaging um, and, and create all kinds of filters for them to be able to slice and dice this data however they want based on different types of user cohorts. We have um, dashboards that we've created for our news and editorial groups that look at some, some of the content feedback that we're getting, um, whether that's related to the types of content we're producing, any perceived political slant against those things. Um, so they look at all of that. And then we've also done the same thing for customer service as well as our loyalty groups. And so we've also established sort of a cross-functional monthly voice of the customer committee. So we share top line insights that we're seeing across all of these different things. Just sort of what are the key things that are percolating? What are the key drivers of satisfaction? How are we doing on, on certain things? We also then get feedback from everybody else, like research and some of the other groups that also have um, a lot of feedback from customers that they're gathering. So that's kind of an opportunity to share that. And more recently, we've stood up sort of a a core product working group as well, where we not only just share these dashboards of insights, but we make sure that those are then being translated into actual roadmap items. We talk about prioritization. We discuss the progress against those things that we can then report back in on this broader sort of monthly committee. But um, those those have been particularly effective ways that we've used the data to um, not only create these custom dashboards that make sure that they're, those insights are being um, translated into action in the different groups. That's great. It's always important to customize it, right? That the stakeholder, yes, whatever team right. actually understands these insights because there's a lot that comes. So really distilling it down. Um, and then I also love, cause it mentioned, or I think you mentioned earlier that you also share, you know, verbatims of some of this feedback that you're getting, which adds um, really nice color <laughs> to really drive home the effect that all of the other metrics are having on real people and real users and real customers. Yeah, and actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. So one thing that we do use beyond Opinion Lab, so Opinion Lab, I'm sorry, ClareBridge. ClareBridge is our voice of the customer platform, but we use Opinion Lab as our our survey platform, um, primarily for some of our, from our digital experiences. So it's integrated in things like post chat um, online, as well as our site surveys. It's embedded in some of the footers of all of our emails, things like that. Um, but what's been great is you can set up through um, through that service sort of like a a daily digest, if you will. And so a lot of people, um, both leadership as well as um, folks in their units, um, there's like a morning digest email that comes out that has all of the customer verbatims associated with particular keywords or certain areas that you can sort of custom set up. And what that's been really helpful to do is hopefully it's not a depressing thing that you get in the morning, but it's very eye-opening certainly when you see, um, you know, what people are talking about. And very often that's what kind of then triggers oh, looks like this thing might be broken, or, oh, here's a good idea, or what's what's happening here? And, and I think at a, at a core level, it's just, it, it always reminds you that these are actual people on the other side. And so that's been really helpful. And they actually have a, um, a tool that's incorporated into this called Mosaic. And it is this very visual sort of color blocking thing that, that basically it takes all the verbatims and it kind of color codes um, the background of the verbatim as, as yellow, 
green or red. And it's a real-time sort of mosaic of, of feedback that's color-coded. And so we've actually had that set up on big screens throughout the entire organization. It's actually it's in the C-suite office. It's in our products groups. It's in our meeting rooms. Um, and it can actually be a little distracting, but you see people sort of stop when they walk by, by and read these customer verbatims. They see the colors. Sometimes you'll just see, like, a sea of red or lots of greens, and you're like, what's going on? What are people talking about? So it's a really interesting tool. Um, um, again, to kind of ground people in actual customer feedback and to be sort of a, an engine of, of some of this culture change that we're trying to do that, that makes everybody feel like they're really part of ingesting and interpreting and actioning on on this data. Yeah, I love that. And I think to your point, right, that, that the color coding makes it so easy to draw people in um, and, you know, almost immediately uh, get some meaning out of it, right? You can see the patterns, the mosaics or the dominant color and, and say, okay, we're trending good today or uh-oh, something must be happening, right? Uh, because there's there's more red than there usually is. Uh, that, that's great. I really like that. Well, thank you for uh, recording a second part with us. We really appreciate it. Listeners, we've posted links to uh, some relevant research in the show notes and we'll talk to you all on next week's CX Cast. Bye for now. If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.